1: Sal Capaccio with Thad Brown, Mr. Big Cavs, the sports director at WROC TV in Rochester. It's always game day in Buffalo. We're still having national media more than anyone, more than local, talk a lot about Stefan Diggs. There's such a, there's such a mystery to what happened last week. So I don't, I, I don't blame people for still wanting to dive into it. I know there's a sentiment from some fans out there that of just let it go. They've moved on. And I, and I understand that, that, Hey, it seems like everything's fine now. That's what Sean McDermott said. It's been resolved. He's been there. But until we know what's happened, there's always this kind of mystery, like I said, and it kind of plays out like a soap opera and people are tuned in and want to know what's going on.
0: Until Stefan Diggs speaks to, you know, probably the local media, but theoretically at some point, this is still going to be an open-ended mystery. This is still going to be something people will talk about and theorize about what happened stefan diggs in buffalo what is still potentially happening with stefan diggs in buffalo now you know sean mcdermott said it's resolved that and, and if he says it's resolved i have no evidence to sit here and tell you otherwise but in the minds of any media local or national you know I, I know we're not out there throwing things on the wall as often as the national guys seem to be the last few days but you know no there are very few people in local media that have a concrete idea of what's going on probably probably none of them and until stefan diggs answers questions or at least says something about where he stands, what his you know uh, temperament is, and w- where he is relationship-wise with Josh Allen, Ken Dorsey, Sean McDermott, any of these people that theoretically could be the problem, there is going to continue to be talk about what is wrong in Buffalo, what is the issue with Stephon Diggs in Buffalo. And it's not going away until that happens. And, and because of the way the NFL calendar is set up to where, you know, no one is going to have any access to any NFL player until late July – This is probably something that's going to, you know, maybe even dominate talk shows between now and then, in a large part also because there's nothing else going on. You know, if if we had the NBA finals next week and the World Series the week after that and the college football championship the week after that, well, then Stefan Diggs would be, you know, pushed to the side a little bit. But in part because the Bills and Diggs have not put an end to this and in part because there's nothing else going on, this is going to continue to be a fairly, I think, hot topic when it comes to national talk, national stories, national social media.
1: You know, the reason why I think he needs to talk, and we've had this debate. F- fans, you hear it. I hear it. He doesn't know you guys anything. Why does the media want to, you know, keep hammering this? He, do- he doesn't have to talk to you. Well, actually, like, guys really do kind of have to talk to the media. That's a separate issue, but there is a requirement for certain guys to talk at certain times and everybody to be heard from at some point. But the reason why is exactly everything you said is right. You know, until we know, right, what happened – There's always going to be, there's always going to be this thing until he stops it. But why is that important to me is because this, once we know, then it's going to be a little bit easier to understand as the season goes on and think about if those things come up again. For example, if he says, Hey, I was really upset about not being targeted. Well, guess what? Then in week two or three, if he's not being targeted, aren't we all going to wonder, is he going to be upset again? Um, If he says that's not the reason it's just as important for us that, that, that if week two or three is not being targeted, I don't think he's going to say, yeah, he's all right. He he wasn't mad about that. To me, that's what it is. It goes into the season with everyone wondering, and every time something happens, people might be wondering either, A, is he upset about this particular thing or issue, or B, we can actually dismiss it and cross it off if he tells us that's not what it is.
0: You know, and, and it's a great point because uh, think about it this way. When Stephon Diggs talk and, talks, and it is going to happen at some point, does he take an approach – to not try and, and even hint at what the specific reason would be. Because whether it's targets, whether it's a relationship with a coach or a player, no matter what has been bothering him, if he alludes to it or even specifically says it, well, then it becomes a talking point for all of us in the media every single week, you know, to check on, well, Stefan Diggs was upset about this back in June or back in last January. Here it happened again. Is he upset about it in September? So does he address it specifically at all? Or does he try and, you know, play it from a team point of view where I think the goal would be, let's make this not a distraction. If Stefan Diggs talks about it very vaguely or even, you know, totally dismisses the idea there was ever a problem to begin with, which I think is a distinct possibility, then there doesn't become, like you said, how many targets did he get this week? What's his reaction when Josh Allen overthrows him? What's his reaction when he walks to the sideline or when he's near Ken Dorsey, you know, in in a practice setting? It allows the Bills and, and you know potentially Diggs to to take whatever this is and push it to the side, depending on how he reacts to it. And, and you know I think Stefan Diggs is a, a smart enough guy to understand that what he says will have repercussions beyond just whenever that press conference is, in likely late July or early August. So how he addresses this, you know, uh, you know might be even more important than when he does it or or any specific problem he brings up
1: nobody's going to deny that they have to have Stefan Diggs, right? He's such an integral part of what they do. Josh Allen said it. This doesn't work without 14. This doesn't work without Stefan Diggs. We all know that, but let's just take him out of the equation. Let's take a look at the rest of the receivers. I'm not saying if they go into a game like this, but what is your feeling about two and beyond meaning Gabe Davis and what they have behind, behind him. And you can include Dalton Kincaid here because he's going to act like a wide receiver. He's going to be in that, that flex tight end role. He's going to be in the slot, but they have Gabe Davis. They still have Khalil Shakir, obviously, from last year. And I say that as a reminder because we didn't hear from him a lot last year. He started to get targeted a little bit more down the stretch. But now Deontay Hardy, Trent Sherfield, and then Justin Shorter gets drafted. Really, it's those five guys, Davis, Shakir, Hardy, Sherfield, and Shorter, you're probably choosing from to talk about this particular
0: point point. what it looks like. I think there's a lot of potential there. There's a lot of possibility there. I mean, you know, you go up and down that list. I love Dalton Kincaid as a first-round pick. I think this is a guy that can be an absolute weapon at the, you know, tight end, hybrid receiver, whatever you want to call him. You know, I think we've seen what Gabe Davis can do. I mean, the 200-yard playoff game against the Chiefs a couple years ago. There have been moments where it looks like he can be a, a difference maker as a number two receiver. Uh, Deontay Hardy, I mean, this is a guy that can flat out fly, and, and the biggest issue with him so far has been injuries. You know, when he's on the field, at least his most recent season, he was seemingly had the potential to be a pretty dangerous receiver. Even Trent Shurfield, you know, a guy that's been, I think, Generally, a special teamer primarily last year in a Miami offense where you had, you know, a quarterback at the top of his game, an offensive coordinator that knew what he was doing. This was a guy that was an effective receiver. Th- the problem is, I don't know if any of those options are any sort of dependable. You know, we, we Greg, uh, I'm sorry, Gabe Davis had his opportunity to kind of take that number two spot and grab it with both hands. Didn't really do it last year. Talked about Hardy and the injury problem. Sherfield, you know, he could still just be a career special teamer. I love Kincaid. But rookie tight ends, you know, generally they top out about 600 yards and that's and like 40 yards a game. I don't know if that's going to be enough of an impact to really change what the Bills have behind Stephon Diggs. I'm encouraged that there are so many options. You would think at least one of those guys is going to pop and, you know, overperform what probably the, the mean, you know, expectations would be for that guy. But picking which one it would be, having confidence in any one of those guys to be able to elevate their game to what the bills need to compete with, you know, that trio that Cincinnati has. I don't, I can't sit here and say I feel good about it, but at least there are options and I think all those options have a, an upper end, a ceiling that is encouraging going into the season. What's your personal feeling on Shakir, the way yet last
1: season went, the way mm-hmm. this season, the off season has gone to bring in a few more guys and what his role
0: might be. I think he's a smart guy. I think he knows how to get open in zone coverage, but I think guys get drafted in the fifth round for a reason. You know, normally in the draft, the the faster, taller, bigger guys, those are the guys that go early. The guys that coaches feel like they can mold. You know, you got the physical skills. Let me teach you how to play the game. With Shakir, I think he knows how to play the game. I just wonder if he's too physically limited to be an overly effective receiver. I think this is a guy that's going to play a long time in the NFL. But is he more than a fourth receiver? Is he more than your second slot guy? I'm not sure about that. And I put him in the same category, maybe less so than the other guys. I think, you know, Kincaid and Hardy and Davis, um, I think those three guys have much higher ceilings than what Shakir has. I think Shakir is a pretty good floor, but if if the Bills are going to go into this season and think, well, Khalil Shakir is the guy that's going to put us over the top, I think that's probably expecting too much of a guy who, again, was a fifth-round pick. Thad Brown,
1: he is the – Sports director at WROC-TV in Rochester. You can follow him on Buffalo Kickoff Live and find him there, I should say, uh, throughout the season as well. I'll be on that show along with Josh Reed and Heather Prusak and Tim Graham. Matt Perino will be bringing you that uh, during the season. Matt Bove, not here. Of course, WKBW-TV, Channel 7 in Buffalo, sports director. So Thad is nice enough to join me on it's always game day in Buffalo. And Thad is going to be all over training camp when the Bills get there in Rochester. Let's talk about that now.